Hello, everyone. I'm Kayla. And I'm Silas. And this is The Adventures of Kayla and Silas, a podcast about everything travel. Each week, we cover travel topics that we find interesting and that we hope you will, too. So, this week, we are coming to you live from... Amsterdam! Well, it's not really live. It will be a few hours later. We are recording this the day that it's coming out. Uh, We got really busy this last week with a lot of things, but that is going to give us a lot to talk to you all about. So, we will jump in right away and give you our updates, and then we'll move on to the topics of today. The first update uh, is that last week, if you missed it, we had a really fun episode with our very first guest. Catherine. Catherine. Hello, Catherine. And she was sharing stories about her adventures traveling around the U.S. this summer. One thing that she did mention to us after we got off air last week was that she had another story to share. Basically, when they were in New York, the high school kids all saw these squirrels running around in Central Park and were very excited about it and pointed it out and said, oh, are those squirrels? Are those the squirrels in Central Park? And their tour guide said, oh, yes, absolutely they are, and kept walking and said, let's keep moving, keep moving. And afterward, the tour guide leaned over to Catherine and said, those were obviously rats, but I didn't want to break their hearts, so I just said, let's keep moving. (laughs) So they, they saw the rats. international students who were traveling with, with our friend from our story last week, they thought that the rats were squirrels. Yes, apparently. I think Catherine would tell it better, so we'll have to have her back on again and she can fill us in on all the gory details. But <laughs> the next update that we have is that we had a chance to interview another couple of friends of ours who really enjoy taking road trips before we left for our trip. So we're working on that episode and we'll be airing it in a couple of weeks. So keep your ears open for that one. And lastly, and probably most importantly of all of our updates is that I was able to do some follow-up of my own on the episode where we talked about popping your ears on planes. Yes, he did. And I want to report back, in case you missed it, this was the episode where we talked about a new technique. This new study came out. It's not a new technique, but the study came out saying that plugging your nose and swallowing was better for your ears than trying to blow out when when you're trying to pop your ears on an airplane. And Silas tried it, and his response was basically... My response was basically, like I said it would be, it did absolutely nothing for me. So I followed my own advice that I gave all of you, and after that didn't work, then I tried something else, which was the technique where you blow out, and it worked fine. So I continue to use the swallowing technique. Well, that's why your ears hurt all the time. What? So moving on to the first topic of our adventures around the southern part of the UK, we want to talk about why we went there. Yes. I worked in Swansea, Wales for a summer, and uh, this was a couple years ago, and I became good friends with one of my coworkers there, Gareth, and visited several times, and uh, we stayed in touch over social media. So after he invited us to his wedding, I said, absolutely, I'd love to come. That'd be great. Now let me check with Kayla. (laughs) And uh, she agreed that it would also be a lot of fun, so we were able to find tickets and uh, set up this whole trip. But the wedding itself was beautiful. It was was a Saturday, and for, for those of you who don't know, Wales, and especially Swansea, for some reason, is incredibly rainy. The UK in general is a rainy place, but I feel like Swansea gets the most rain. I've never been with Silas to Swansea and not seen it rain. 
in the course of 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, even in days where it's said, oh, it's going to be sunny today, that means that there will be only light showers. It's mostly sunny. So we were very impressed that on the day of the wedding, it did rain a little bit in the morning, and then the sun came out, and it was gorgeous. And the whole afternoon, the, the rain stayed away, and we were very happy about that. But what we wanted to do was make a few comparisons between weddings that we have attended in the Midwest in the States and what we saw at this wedding in Wales. I've been filming wedding videos for the last three or four years now. And so I think Kayla and I together have been to somewhere around 50 to 60 weddings, something like that. Yeah. haven't actually counted up, but We're it, professional it's a lot. wedding goers. We are professional wedding goers. And we, we noticed some very interesting differences that we wanted to talk about. And I'll let Kayla start with hers because I think this is the very first thing that we noticed when we got there. Yeah, and I would just add that for the most part, the wedding was very similar to what we see in the U.S., oh, yeah. especially in the Midwest, I guess. Um, so we really had to look for differences. But the first thing was we showed up and went to get a drink, I think, and then we came back outside. And once we got back outside and I could see where everyone was hanging out, I got a little panicky because every (laughs) woman was wearing like a bow or a a headband, uh, sort of a bow slash headband thing in their hair. That that was very... Like a big... Yeah, it was very ornate. It was very poofy. Poofy is probably not the right word. No, poofy is not the right word. But they they were not small. They were not small. They were very obvious, and everyone had them, and they're all different colors and matched with their dresses and all this, and I thought, oh, crap. I was supposed to wear one of these things, whatever they're called, headband, bow, giant thing on my head. Then later in the night, we asked, we had made some friends by then, we asked, we said, I feel out of place. Should I have been wearing one of these? And I said, oh, this is a very English thing. Very British thing. I mean, you know, we always, for, for races and for weddings, we always wear these. So well, what, what are they called? Oh, well, they're called fascinators. And I actually had heard that word before. Sure. But I wasn't expecting to come across them at our friend's wedding, which was, I mean, it's a formal occasion, but it's not like their wedding was like this super, super, super formal event. Right. Right, right, right. It was, it was, it was definitely formal. I mean, all the men had had suit jackets, which in the Midwest is not customary. Usually, people especially will, in the summer, especially weddings in the summer, suit jackets go by the wayside as quickly as they possibly can. And all, almost all the women were wearing heels, which I found to be a little different than at home because I think you'd see a lot more flats at home, even at a formal wedding. Exactly. So the fascinators were really the the first thing that caught our attention. I knew going into it that I was going to have to wear a suit. I asked Gareth that point blank. I said, will people be wearing suits or not? And he said, oh, I think everyone will be. And I said, all right, perfect. I will make sure that I adhere to the dress code and brought a suit. But the next thing that we noticed was the ceremony itself. It was very legal, (laughs) for, for lack of a better word, which... It was really, it was, it was actually very nicely done. When I would, he- if you hear, oh, it's a very legal ceremony, you don't necessarily anticipate the loveliness that happened at, mm-hmm. at this ceremony. It felt very personal. It felt very 
them, it, like they had definitely put themselves into the ceremony, had chosen parts that they wanted for themselves, mm-hmm. but there were no religious readings. The ceremony was officiated by a member of... By a registrar. By a registrar. Then there was a notary just waiting in the corner to sign their marriage license. I imagine it's actually, I've never been to one. I imagine it's a lot like a courthouse ceremony in the U.S. But like Silas said, they had some additional touches that made it much more personable. And then, of course, all the people being there to, to witness it. But what we found out afterwards is that in the U.K., you absolutely cannot have any remnants or hints of religion in a ceremony unless it's at a religious building and this was at a hotel so they weren't allowed even if they wanted to do a scripture reading or wanted to play a song with a religious text or something it's absolutely forbidden and they even said they had to have the script uh what's approved yeah the script had to be approved um in advance which we found to be really surprising, especially because we do go to so many weddings. It seems like the ceremony is one of those things that brides and grooms leave till the very end to plan. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're trying to um, figure out exactly what the ceremony will entail, like the week leading up to their wedding. So obviously this required a little more forethought. So that was really interesting. The, it was, it's definitely full of a lot of legalese, I would call it. Yep. So those were, those were the first two. And the last difference, the main big difference that we saw, and this could have been a fluke, but everyone seemed to support our yeah. our observation when we asked them about it. But the speeches were amazing. They, yeah. uh, at, the, at the reception, the speeches started. And a lot of times what we've noticed um, is that not all the speeches go as smoothly as you would hope that they would. Mm-hmm. Um, people either aren't as prepared as they should be or are they're just very nervous, which is understandable to get up in front of a large group of people and, and give a speech. It's, it can be very nerve wracking, Yep. but all of the people who had to give speeches stood up and delivered amazing speeches that, that weren't two minutes long or five minute long speeches. They were 15 to 20 minute long speeches, which you would think that would be horrible to sit and listen to somebody talk for 15 to 20 minutes mm-hmm. and they were just so engaging that w- that nobody was frustrated we got done and I didn't hear a single person say oh my oh, gosh, gosh that went forever yeah, which so is what we hear all the time at weddings hear a lot uh, oh man I wish that they would have just thought a little bit more about their speech no everyone was very impressed with the speech it was like everyone was preparing for like their speech class final yeah. you know like <laughs> like the perfect amount of 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 wit and charm and funny and sweet. It was really well done. And the thing Silas noticed was almost everyone had their speech written out. Yes. Which we don't see. I mean, people do do people this do. back home. People will, but it's it's not as regular. And I think everyone except for one person had their speech written out. And, and it Well, was. and that was just his dad just stood up and told one story about them. Yeah, but he already knew the story and knew what he was going to say. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily completely off the cuff. So on the whole, very, very prepared speeches. So other points of interest, though, from this wedding was we got to teach everyone the Cupid Shuffle. We did. I don't know that they liked it that much, but we taught it to them. As I was looking around the room, several people were nervous to jump in. A couple people were like, oh, I don't know if I can get the steps. 
which is funny because if you don't know this, the Cupid Shuffle has the steps as the lyrics. So they tell you, go to the and, left, go to the and right. And there's like basically three things you have to do. Yeah, and you turn around. It's very, very simple. But it was it was interesting because several people said it was a lot of fun. And I said, you have to do it at the next wedding. And some people said, yes, absolutely. And other people said, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they said, oh, is this a new song? And I said, it's been out for... About a, we figured out it was like a decade. I remember it was out when I was in college, so yeah. Also, we were noted during the speeches as the guests who traveled from farthest away, so we got an award of sorts, yes. which was nice. We won that game. We weren't trying to really play that game, but we, we won anyway, we won so we'll anyway. take it. The last little bit, though, we, we were swapping travel stories because everyone said, oh, you traveled from far away, so we were sitting at the table with a few other guests and... At the dinner at table. The dinner. Yep. yep. And while we're sitting there, we're all swapping travel stories, and this one guy um, told a story that I'm, I want to share simply because I think that it makes a very good point that we can share as a travel tip for anyone who's looking to take a trip yep. soon, but the story goes like this, that he got to the airport and was going through security and they put his bag on the conveyor belt and it went through the scanner and came out the other end and they said, sir, you need to come with us. And so they took him to a room and they said, we have found on the scanner a knife and we are going to open this up and we're going to tear all your things out until we find the knife. Sorry, this is what has to happen. He said, well, I don't have a knife. I didn't bring a knife. They said, we saw a knife on there and we're sure it's a knife. And he said, no, 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 I know it's not a knife. And then he thought, wait, I believe what you're looking for is my keychain, and it's shaped like a surfboard. And they said, no, sir, we saw a knife. You need to calm down. And he's like, well, fine, you can, you can do that. Just look for it. And it's in the, the sleeve. And like, we're going to have to take everything out of your bag. And he, they go to unzip the top of his bag. And he said, no, 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 don't do that. It'll explode. What he meant was his, Stuff bag, is gonna was, fall his out. bag was very full and everything was going to fall out aggressively yeah. all over the table. But he told a bunch of security guards that his bag was going to explode if they opened it. So just... So tip number one from this podcast, <laughs> don't use that word to don't describe your anything. luggage. Or anything. Or anything remotely similar to anything scary at things at an airport. E- exploding so anything. So something similar to that actually happened to me uh, the last time we flew. It might have been when we were in Italy. I had so much change in my wallet that together it looked like this like very heavy mass that could be a weapon or something. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. And they went through my bag forever, and I couldn't figure out what they were looking for. And even if they could have described it, I don't think I would have been any help. But finally, he was like, oh, you have a ton of change in your wallet. And I was like, yes, I do. Is that what you've been looking for? But it went on forever, and you're just sitting there like, what the heck are you looking for? Right. So it's good to know what's in your bag. And Well, the other time that you, you got oh, stopped, though, was you had a... It was a, a Spätzle, a, um, a pasta press from Germany, which basically looked like a bat with a big ball at the end. I like it looked, it looked terrifying. It, I mean, it could about, easily be used as a weapon. It's about eighteen to twenty-four inches long, and one end is the size of a. It's cup. like a teacup at the end, basically, but it, the whole thing's metal. Yeah. So I was, was going to say a cup, like just a measuring cup. Yeah. With holes, and you fill it with dough, and you squeeze it, like fuzzy pumper barber shop, and spits out the pasta. But 
in a backpack, it looks very I was, conspicuous. I was actually really surprised because in Germany, they stopped. I figured Germans would know what it was Yeah, if they saw the shape. This is a very German thing. And the, in Germany, they stopped me and they were like, wait, do you have like a cooking utensil in your back? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Spätzle press. And Okay, okay, okay. But then when I went, when we flew back through Ireland, it was like no one in Ireland cared. Yeah. No. Well, I, I think that they, well, no, because it wasn't just a connecting flight, was it? No. Yeah, exactly. So. It was like two separate times I went through security, but anyway. it was just funny because um, I figured if I was going to have any trouble with it, it would be back in Ireland and I had it in Germany instead. So. So the, the point of the, the story is don't, just don't use the word exploding at an airport. Good Good advice to live by. Yeah. Well, and, and also I think if, if you have something metal and big in your bag, just like expect to have to explain yourself yep. a little bit because otherwise, like there's no use in getting upset because they're just doing their job when they pull you out of line to make sure right, you don't exactly. have a knife or or to make sure that While you're... you don't have a knife, you would want them to pull the person out of line who does, who does have, have a knife. knife. Exactly. So moving on to um, the next topic, after we were done with the wedding, we had spent a lot of time in Swansea with, with friends, had a really good time catching up with them. Then we got to go to Cardiff. And I have spent some time in Cardiff, but not a ton of time in Cardiff. And this trip was really not an exception to that. We we spent a couple right. of days there, but we did get to do some exploring of some places that Kayla definitely hadn't been before and mm-hmm. that I hadn't been as well. Cardiff, for those of you who don't know, is the capital of Wales and is also the place where they film Doctor Who, which is really exciting for people who watch that show. Yeah, it, it is probably. I bet it is. I haven't seen it yet, although I'm, I'm told that I... I must see it, although I think You would probably actually like it. I bet I probably would. I I think, though, that there's something like 40 or 50 seasons now. I don't know. Oh, really? I don't know. I'm exaggerating. It's like Star Trek, like a whole world. It's a whole thing that it's just... I bet we could look it up right now. How many seasons? (laughs) This is important. While he's looking that up, I'm going to just share a little background on this trip, which maybe we haven't described before, is that... We didn't actually get invited to this wedding until a couple months ago, and I had just taken all my vacation at work. So we were a little bit limited with this trip in terms of how long we could come to Europe. And then when we did finally find a good flight, it was through Amsterdam. Well, we wanted time both in Amsterdam and in Wales for the wedding. And so we we kind of did this part of our trip that we're going to talk about from here on out, knowing that it was a little bit faster travel than we generally like to do sure um so we we wouldn't recommend people go through cardiff and then the following couple cities as fast as we did but given our time constraints and knowing that we wanted to come back to amsterdam you know we'll go back to wales at some point and we can spend more time in cardiff for instance so you'll get to hear what we did with just a you know basically a day in each town i think did you figure out doctor who so right now it's showing uh 167 episodes but I feel like there's a, a different backstory here because it says 2005. Since 2005, there's Since been 167 episodes. Yeah, but I feel like there was an original series, too, that had a lot of episodes. Well, if you know something about Doctor Who, let us know. Yeah, write in and, and give me the lowdown so that we can we, we can, can clear the air yeah. on this because it's really troubling me. So. Yeah, it seems like not that important of a thing. It'll be all right. We I'll can live. talk. We can we can move on, I think, probably. I think you're right. So that's that's a little bit about Cardiff. Um, there's a lot more to learn, but 
uh, what we ended up doing when we first got to town was we went to a restaurant called Giovanni's, and it was off the recommendation from a couple of strangers that we met grabbing a Sunday roast um, at the hotel. Back uh, in Swansea. Back in Swansea. So we were sitting down having a nice Sunday roast, and the couple next to us said, oh, where are you from? Where are you traveling? Our American accents stand out like a sore thumb there. So yep. <laughs> So they people often will ask, oh, what are you doing here? And and uh, Swansea's at the end of the train line from London, and so yeah. not very many people with American accents make it down there regularly. It's not right. not not as frequently as to London itself. But they we said we were headed to Cardiff, and they suggested uh, Giovanni's, and they also suggested a place called Live Lounge for some live music. And they said Live Lounge just has live music all day, every day. And we showed up, and. As soon as we got there, a band was setting up, and about 20 minutes later, they, Lo started, and behold. they started playing a show, and it was really cool. Um, really fun atmosphere. Um, it was out on a Sunday afternoon. A few people wanted it to be a little bit crazier atmosphere than it was. I think we watched two or three people get kicked out. Kicked out, out yeah. And I, and, and I looked down, and I didn't really think that they were doing anything egregious, but they were the well the first one i saw he had pulled his shirt off and was like swinging around his head like but a lasso were, but he was singing a song in a group and, and then as was soon as excited. he was done he put his shirt back on and then after that the security guards escorted him out and i was like ooh, That's, we don't want to mess around in here don't, no messing around there it's a but it's both a, both were good recommendations. We appreciate yeah. this random couple who was seated next to us at lunch that day because um, we really weren't sure what to do for dinner um, or drinks back in Cardiff that night. And so that worked out really nicely. And Giovanni's must have been like a place to be because every table oh, yeah. was full and... You know the places where you walk in, they're like, wait, do you have a reservation? And you're like, oh, crap, should I have made one? <laughs> um, and then they squeezed us in anyway because we were only two people. Well, and, and a ton of celebrities had been there. The mm. walls were lined with pictures of celebrities. And on the outside, they had pictures of all the people who had been there. And the person that I noticed first, I didn't spend a lot of time exploring all the pictures of who all had been there. But it was a lot. It was a lot. And I did not I did recognize yeah. Ed Sheeran. That was the first thing he said. He goes, oh, Ed Sheeran's Ed been Sheeran's here. Ed Sheeran's been here. Let's go and eat. And so it was, uh, but it was really nice. It was really good Italian food. We had a good dessert and dinner. We had all the courses. We had all the courses. Yeah. And it was, it was a really good time. But the next morning, we did the kind of the big thing that we wanted to do in, in the Cardiff area, which was uh, going to a place called St. Fagans. And this is a National Museum of Wales. Um, and I liken it to a living history museum because they have buildings from all over the country and from across multiple centuries, and they've deconstructed them brick by brick and rebuilt them at this museum. The The space is very, very large. I tried to describe it to Caleb, but I didn't explain it very well because we got there and she said, oh, that's the museum. And she pointed to a little group of houses that she could see from the outside. And then we got inside and we grabbed a map and she said, oh my gosh, that's like... That was like two out of like 60 buildings. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's massive. I, it, how long did we walk around there? Two We stayed hours? for two, two hours, hours. But we were, again, we, have a, we had a little bit of a time constraint these last few days on the road. Yeah. And we certainly could have stayed there longer. And there were some really fun things happening that day. Oh, like yeah. there was like a carnival for kids and um, there was like a craft show 
And so there, I mean, if you were the right kind of person, you could have spent a lot more time there. We were not the kind of people to be buying crafts since we were, since we're currently living out of a backpack. Um, Nor did we really need to spend time at the carnival part. But we could have. We could have. <laughs> it, it would have been something to do. And, and it, um, it, just getting to walk around the buildings, though, it's really cool because you get to see what life was like for people who used to live and work in these buildings. Mm-hmm. And they have people around who can answer questions. And they have um, signs with lots of information about the buildings. And some of the buildings have, like Silas said, this kind of living history museum quality where like when you go to the blacksmith shop, there's actually someone who's in there who's doing the work and showing you how someone would have made something for you know ages ago yep and what i learned because the way silas always described it was like oh you know they've they've torn off just a second the reason i was able to describe it when i studied abroad yeah in swansea this was a location that i uh, visited and then when i went back and worked at the international development office at swansea uh, i talked them into letting me go again to take pictures of the site for the office so that they could use it in any promotional materials that they, that they wanted to. Yep. Um, but go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say one of the things I didn't know about the museum was that some of the buildings are actually original to the land. So, mm-hmm. so St. Fagan's castle is, um, one of the buildings that you can walk through. Um, and it's actually, original the owner of saint fagan's castle was the one who donated the land to start the museum um and it's not so much a castle as it is a palace but it was built on the ruins of an old castle and then there's actually another another piece of property that was a farmhouse i think that was original as well oh sure that's in a kind of a different part and now i mean that it is it's it's quite large i don't even know probably if you walked through every single building You'd probably walk five miles. That's a really good guess. It's uh, it's massive. You'll get your steps. Yeah, in you for the get, day. yeah you'll get your steps in no matter what. But <laughs> I wanted to talk about my two favorite places that we saw. Do it. So my first favorite was it was a prefab house. So as you can imagine, after World War II. There were two problems. One was that a lot of the buildings had been destroyed and people didn't have places to live. And the second problem was that people who had had factory jobs during the war didn't have anything to make anymore. And so the UK solved that problem by having the airplane manufacturing companies start making these prefab houses. And they literally are riveted metal. But the coolest thing, like the the coolest trivia about them that I would never have guessed is that it took 12 minutes to make one house. It was, incre- it was incredible to look at. And these weren't tiny houses either. No, I mean, I would say probably, you know, maybe 750 square foot houses. Ish. That sounds about right. There was a, you know, a small bedroom big enough for like a kid's bed or a crib or maybe two, maybe a, a bed and a crib. Another bedroom for mom and dad. A full queen-size bed. Yeah, a queen-size bed. And then a small bathroom, a small kitchen, and then a sitting area which had room for, you know, a table in the corner and then couch with TV or something. So it wasn't like a ton of space, but I imagine... Very livable, yeah. And I imagine they were relatively inexpensive. Yeah, they talked about a lot of... That was what a lot of families... Young couples. Young couples would start their families in those houses. 
and this one was all of the all of the different buildings at St. Fagans have been decorated to a certain time period. And this one was decorated to the, you know, the 50s or the 60s maybe even. And so that was really cool to see. The other thing that was really cool is there was this set of row houses. So I think there were six houses side by side by side. Yep. And what they did with those, this is so interesting. So I, I believe it's all part of one building, but they they decorated each of the houses differently. So when you walk in the first house, you're seeing 1855, what it would have looked like. Then you walk in the next one, and you're seeing 1895, what it would have looked like. Then you walk in the next one, you're seeing 1925, what it would have looked like. And so it's the exact same floor plan. Yep. It's the exact same building. It's just the way that they did it up was different. And so by the end, I think you get to 1985, and along the way you add things like wallpaper and curtains and carpeting and by the end there's like television and there's a bathtub in the last one that's not in the any of the previous ones I think right and so it just gets more and more interesting like because if you watch you you see kind of technology develop over time which I thought was super cool yeah it's it's an amazing the whole museum is amazing and being able to experience those buildings it's just it's just a lot of fun uh just a lot of fun to go to so i was glad that kayla got to see that there's one church that they had disassembled and reassembled that i really liked i forget about how unique this is that the outside is completely white Mm -hmm. and you would imagine they say oh that's a church and i imagine the inside would be completely white and that was going to be the end of it but you get inside and there were all of these elaborate decorative paintings with bright colors and they said the reason for that was when uh, Christianity moved to the area where that church was built, most, if not all, of the people in that area weren't able to read. I don't mm-hmm. know if they couldn't read just English or if they couldn't what they couldn't read or if they just couldn't read in general. I think mass was still done in Latin, oh, so sure. um, they so, couldn't listen to the service or read anything, so they w- relied upon the the images. Yes. Yeah, so the, the the paintings on the wall were actually the stories from the Bible that they felt were most important to be sharing mm-hmm. regularly. And so they could point to things and people would turn and look. And it would be very interesting. I, I wish that there was an opportunity to have been a fly on the wall to watch what a service would have looked like where you're just pointing at pictures on the wall. Um, that would be very interesting to to attend. But yeah, the way our trip ended at St. Faga's was we went to the gift shop to just uh, peruse for a few minutes before our taxi showed up. While we were in there, I found a little book that had traditional Welsh dishes. And so I decided to get that little cookbook, and I'm excited to try some of those out. So you might be hearing about that in the future. But Silas's Welsh cooking adventures. Welsh cooking adventures it will be adventurous, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, or not. But. Or not. The, the last piece that we wanted to talk about, though, was taking a taxi to St. Fagans. If you decide to go to Cardiff and you want to check out this museum, we highly recommend taking a taxi out there. There is public transportation, which, from what we could tell, is only slightly less expensive, but takes much longer, I think. Well, but it doesn't take you to St. Fagans, though. That's true. Yep. So it was like 
we could have walked half a mile to take a bus, and then we would have had to walk another mile to get to the museum on the other end of the bus line. Yep. According to like Google Maps, public transit. Um, and so maybe the locals knew a better option. I'm not sure, but we were a little afraid that we'd get out there and we wouldn't be able to get a taxi back, but it was super easy. We just asked that, you know, we the, asked at the front desk, the front desk and, and they said, Oh yeah, no problem. We do this all the time. So it wasn't something that they were doing special for us either. It was a regular thing, but it only cost about 10 pounds to get out there and 10 pounds to get back. So um, it was worth it with our time our time frame as well because we didn't have very much time so that allowed us to be at the museum for a little bit longer yep so after that we got back into town um, we went to cardiff castle briefly we wanted to go in but unlike st Fagans, which was free the cardiff castle did cost and we said we don't need to and it was expensive so we didn't go inside maybe if we come back and we have a whole day that we could spend there yeah but we were only gonna you know wander in for a few minutes, minutes yeah. and so it wasn't worth it to pay to go inside but I think it'd be interesting because it's a it's a huge castle actually huge castle lots of interesting history to be learned in there and lots of cool things so we definitely something that I like to do in the future but we would definitely need more time than than 15 minutes so the other place I would go if we went back to Cardiff is so there's another national museum. Right next to the city hall. Which we which walked we, to after. Yeah, but we didn't get to go in the museum at all. So right. that would be really yeah. interesting as well. Because St. Fagans is kind of a different kind of museum. I think the the National Museum of Wales, which is right there next to city hall, would be really cool. So after that, we hopped on a train and we went straight to Bath. Hey, everyone. So this week's episode ran just a little long. And we wanted to make sure that we got one out today. So we've cut the episode in half and you get part two of this episode next week. As always, we ask that you leave any questions you have in the comments section below. Or if you have a specific question, feel free to email us directly or connect with us on social media. Our email address is kaylaandsilas at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest by searching Kayla and Silas. Once again... We're Kayla and Silas wishing you luck on your upcoming adventures.